Lucas, I mean, when Arthur is part of the news cycle, uh, mm. usually it's, I, I, I like to hope it's a good thing. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, there's this new Arthur project coming out, or sometimes it's just as simple as a BuzzFeed quiz, which Arthur character are you, or hey, <laughs> remember, remember this episode from 25 years ago? It's rare and disappointing when Arthur is part of the news cycle for um, kind of a negative reason. Uh, so first of all, everybody, welcome to Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. Let's get this out of the way. Uh, my name's Will Young. My co-host is Lucas Mancini. And I'm sure, Lucas, you've seen about this. As you were mentioning to me, this is something you feel quite passionate about. And that is the fact that um, the book Arthur's Birthday, which was also a season one episode, that book is part of... Um, I, I call it a book ban in Florida, but basically the information here is that that is one of hundreds of books that's being challenged in a district of Jacksonville, Florida. Um, there's a heavy amount of challenges in that district. Uh, who were uh, The challenges were submitted by one person, a man whose name is Bruce Friedman, and is an activist for a group called No Left Turn in Education. This group is about screening and monitoring classroom material to prevent, and I quote, the sexualization of children. He announced last December that he had a list of over 3,600 titles that he would challenge if they were not banned outright from the school system. And Arthur's birthday is one of them. If you follow Mark Brown on Instagram, he had his thoughts on this. There have been articles about it, and many Arthur fans, including us on Twitter, are completely sideswiped by this and just like, yeah. what are you talking about? But... How did it's, this it's, how did this strike you specifically, Lucas? Well, it's like beyond parody, right? Like when yeah. if, if if you were going to make up a 1984, you know, thought crime style uh uh evangelical, if you were going to make up kind of the most reactionary person you could see in your mind's eye, mm-hmm. you know, the types that are usually advocating for the banning of children's books, right? It takes it takes a certain kind. Um, it would be beyond parody, beyond reproach uh, for someone to think that Arthur's birthday could be harmful to children, uh, could be sexualizing children. I, I pulled up kind of, I was like, what in the nitty gritty are they actually taking issue with in Arthur's birthday? And it's because, you know, they have Francine spin the bottle game afterwards. You know, Which they don't even as... play in the book. They like But it's also a joke. It. Like, like yeah. Arthur doesn't want to do that. And like little kids kiss and stuff it's it's innocuous i feel like you would actually you're telling on yourself if that is anything but innocuous to you Mm -hmm. um and i think that you know this is indicative of just a larger problem of of censorship um and lack of access to information you know my mom uh is a lifelong librarian she's retired now but um access to free information um, and the uninhibited access to literature, especially children's literature, uh, it's, it, it, it's something that, you know, my, I'm oh, sorry, the, the censorship police are coming to get me now. You can hear them biking outside. Uh, the, um, it's something that uh, is really passionate, I'm really passionate about because, you know, my mom was passionate about it. And that's, as a librarian, you know, she's a big believer in the library has to have all sorts of books. And so this is just like, I can't believe that anybody in their right mind. It makes sense that this this charge is coming from a single person. Because I think most people, you know, even in Florida, <laughs> uh, would know that there's nothing wrong with Arthur's birthday. As is, there's probably nothing wrong with any of these books. 
Well, and for comparison, in, in one of the articles I read about it, like a couple of the other books that have been challenged are like books by Stephen King, like It, for example, mm-hmm. which, as the article states, and I happen to agree with this, it's like, yes, in those Stephen King books that this guy wanted out of classrooms and off like kids' library, school libraries, there are some, there is some objectionable. There is content that you could object to. Like, there's some pretty serious stuff mm-hmm. in every regard. Stuff you know, intended in a Stephen, in a for King, adults, yeah. In a, yeah, it's, it's meant for adults. But, as the article says, it's like, so many of us start to encounter that type of stuff when we're very young, and it shapes the way that we encounter art. We're going to talk about this in the episode, but, like, mm. we all have different ways into different types of art, and just because you read something, like, I'm sure you and I know dozens of people, know of hundreds, thousands of people who have read, like, really scary books as kids, watched scary movies, and turned out fine, and maybe even better for it. It's the kind of, I, I, I and I feel strongly about this too, Lucas, I don't have, I, I, I should say, my, my wife and I are huge advocates of the library. We visit every week, and it is something we both feel very passionately about, and of course, it's literacy, is yeah is, is 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 a cornerstone of I would say the Arthur brand, but one of the things that you can take away <laughs> from this property is learning to read and the and how great it is to read, and you're never you're never going to to stoke that love of reading in a child's heart if you take away all of these avenues for which they can discover how cool reading is. Maybe the best book they've ever read is something by Stephen King. Maybe it's. What you know? Any of these books that are being banned, and I just I I think it's patently ridiculous, and I think yeah, it's yeah. really terrible that this is happening. It's almost foolish to even engage with it because it's it's you know again it's one guy calling for this, and I think anybody with half a brain understands that there is no harm, there's no inherent harm or sexualization or anything like that in a book like Arthur's Birthday. Yeah, and this is just this huge kind of reactionary bent. Uh, going on this like uh, ideologically motivated um, and I've always said this you know if your side is the one advocating for people having less access to uh, information or less a- less asset access to books in this particular case you're you're on the wrong side basically so I can, that's how I, I feel about it bar none I completely agree with you mm-hmm. I wanted to t- and I wanted to take this opportunity because this is kind of we don't normally get the chance to be very like hot button or current or that sort of thing. But Mm -hmm. I figured we wanted to obviously assert our stance that we fundamentally disagree with this sort of thing. And we had something recently that I would like to address here. I I wrote, I wrote, I wrote this down because I'm not always so eloquent off the cuff. If you've listened to more than 200 episodes of this podcast, you might know that. So I wanted to read this out and I'd like to think that I believe that this, is representative of both of us here. So last week, in last week's episode of Elwood City Limits, we briefly spoke about Harry Potter. And there was disappointment expressed with us for not denouncing the author of Harry Potter much more clearly. So in the past on this show, if you have listened to it, we've made our feelings clear about several different social issues. And this is another instance where we want to be very clear about something. 
We don't want to support transphobic people on this podcast, which includes the author of Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling is a transphobe, and I do not want to support her work or to promote it or really even necessarily put it in a positive light. It already gets enough of that from the millions and billions of dollars it makes every year, and I don't want to add to that. Queer and trans people's lives are in danger today because of the rhetoric of people like her and the platform she has. So I feel that the least we can do here on the podcast is say that we support the trans community. And by saying that, if you feel offended or that we're getting too political on this podcast, whether it's with this statement here or the statement about the book bans or really anything, I encourage you, stop listening. Never bother us again. If you have anything else that you want to say to us about this, feel free to send us an email. It doesn't have to be read on the air. We can completely have a conversation via email. It's okay. We want Elwood City Limits to be a safe space for everyone, but especially for those of our listeners who are marginalized in any way, such as our wonderful listeners in the trans community. And there are many of you, and we want to we want to be a be a safe place for you. We will continue to do our best to be a welcoming and inclusive show and community and we also welcome constructive feedback if we fall short of this goal. And not to ta- not to speak for you Lucas, but I just figured I think this is again something we can probably both agree on. Yeah, I mean and all that aside, you know, that was very eloquent Will. Thank you for reading that. Um, I, and I thought I made this clear last week when we were talking about it, but I kind of think Harry Potter, low-key to me personally, no, no, not to yuck anybody's yum, kind of thought it's cringe, kind of cringe <laughs> to me these days. And that's aside any sort of ideological opposition I have with the author. So yes, which is that's which, my two cents. There, there you go. But thank you. Thank you for hearing us out on that. Now, speaking of the voices of the people who listen to us, let's on let's head on over to ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. We have got a couple of short emails here from listeners. Let's start off with Ashley. Hi, Will and Lucas. Recently, I finally caught up to where you two are currently in season 17. Rewatching Arthur in my early 20s has really made me truly appreciate the show and all it represented in its longtime run on the air. You guys have also really made me think about the show in ways I haven't before, such as the baffling animal hierarchy. I'm so happy I can finally watch along with you guys in real time. Keep up the good work. Congratulations on 200 episodes. Thank you, Ashley. And another one comes from Drew. Hello, Will, Lucas, and Mike. Since I've been having... uh, Oshi no Ko, which is a, uh, in parentheses great anime on the brain. I was wondering if the gang were to start an idol group, who would you have in it? In it, the limit would be three members. So an idol group of three I've, members. I've heard, by the way, that people love that there. Oshi no Ko. I've, I've, I've never, I've never heard of it. It's it's the anime of the season. Will apparently, I'm, hmm. I'm to understand. I, I watch a lot less seasonal anime than I used to. Um, who do we have in the group? Well, this is a little bit of a recency bias, but I think Binky is a lock. Yeah. He can, <laughs> and, and Binky is a bit of a triple threat. Not only can Binky perform music, uh, he's gifted in his abilities to perform music. Uh, the man can dance, Will. He's a classically yes. trained ballet dancer as well. So I think Binky is our, our idol group leader here. And then everybody else, I feel like we have quite a few musicians kind of in the cut. Yeah. Um, who, it, it, Franc- Arthur plays Francine's piano. A sing- oh. Francine's a singer. Francine's a singer and a drummer. She just can't do both at once. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Arthur can play piano. We've had quite a few episodes where the various kids are forming 
bands. But again, there's a lot more to uh, to this stuff than just uh, performing music, right? Being an idol, it's a full-time job. Um, I think actually, you know, Binky, we get DW in there. Binky yes. and DW have performed together in the past. Uh, and DW could be like the bad one, the edgy one. Mm-hmm, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. thinking Binky, DW... Uh, and maybe maybe Arthur and Francine. I'll cheat a little bit and add a fourth okay. uh, member. We, th- let's I, let's farm out suggestions for the name of this idol group. I'm not good at thinking up titles on the fly, but I mean, Lucas, you are a, a lot more into like idol type music than I am. So. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. I, it's funny that yeah, you bring this up. Uh, new Jeans Will came out with a new uh, EP. Last week, or mm-hmm. if you're listening to this on the free feed two weeks ago, um, <laughs> and you know, I've tried to figure out. I know people are stands. I'm sure we have some people in the Discord who are quote unquote K-pop stands, but uh, I uh, personally uh, never really like had it. You know, I'd listen to a Blackpink song here and there, but I never really had the fervor, the wild fervor that other people have had. This is all changed, Will, with new jeans. Uh, I don't know what it is about them that sets them apart. I don't know if it's because it sounds like Jersey house music. Like the the, <laughs> the, the instrumentation is a lot more experimental, and you're mm. going to listen to that and laugh at that statement. But as far as K-pop is concerned, it's usually pretty pedestrian, pretty like, oh, okay, what if Katy Perry was Korean? The New Jeans has this kind of like Y2K, again, Jersey garage-style uh, instrumentation, or not instrumentation, but production. It's really grabbed me, and I really can't stop thinking about that new EP. So uh, I don't know. I guess we call it Binky Two. That sounds like a K-pop name. Ooh, Binky, Binky Two. Two. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's... Binky Two, but it's T O O. Okay. Ooh. Mm. Yes. All right. I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, <laughs> Drew has a couple more questions. Who would grow up to be the biggest weebs of the Arthur cast, and most likely to collect figurines and manga? Buster. I was just gonna say you took the words out of my mouth. It's Buster <laughs> all the way. Buster, I think Fern probably has like a, a specific niche that she's into. Binky's probably way into DBZ and JoJo's and Naruto. Um, I think they all have their own niche, it's, uh, especially, but definitely Buster, I would say, is probably the biggest weeb. And maybe, maybe DW has has a phase of it too. I can see DW being way into like Sailor Moon and uh, Card Captor Sakura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can um, see if uh, they would all be. See, this is the thing about anime. Will it's, it's that it's it's a it's a medium, not a genre, right? So yes. there's kind of something for everybody. You know, you could see. I, I feel like Francine would be into like um, Fist of the North Star. Mm-hmm. You know, Muffy would be into like Nana. There's something for everyone in there. Um, you know, brain would be watching that Doctor Stone. Doctor Stone. Oh yes, Doctor Stone. <laughs> That's a good show. Um, and if Arthur was an anime, how do you imagine that looking? Thank you and take care. I would just say, Lucas, um, if Arthur were an anime, what kind of style? Like, what anime style would you want it to to jock a little bit? Oh, easy, easy. Um, I think Arthur actually maps pretty pretty one to one on the genre of slice of life moe. I feel like. And this is kind of a draw, you know, this style of anime in today's world is a little bit passe. You know, it's all about the isekais now. You know, you got hit by a bus and you went to another world. That's what everything seems to be these days. But it, not too long ago, Will, in the in the far off past of 2006, 2007, uh, every anime was about cute girls uh, starting a club at their high school. Oh, yes. Um, and, you know, your lucky stars, your k 
Haruhi Suzumiya. They are Haruhi Suzumiya. Oh, the go- the the Citizen Kane of slice of life anime, as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, um, so I think that's the close. You know, your Nishi Joes. Uh, I think that's the closest one that Arthur could pattern off of. It's it's certainly not a show and battle show or anything like that. Yeah. Um, what I would really love, and I don't mean to task any of our artist listeners anymore, because I'm, I'm hoping you're taking good care of your wrist. What I'd really love to see is uh, Arthur eye catches. So what would the eye catches look like? Ooh, what, very what, cool. What would the music be like? Like, I'm thinking one of my favorite eye catches is in Gurren Logan, the row, row, fight the power. So what would that look like for Arthur? What would the music be? Anyway, if you want to use that as a... As a, as, a, as a drawing exercise, be our guest, and we'd love to see it. So thank you to Ashley and Drew for emailing us, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Also want to say thank you to our patrons, patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. Don't forget, you've got the latest episode of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast all about Jakers, the adventures of Piggly Winks. If you haven't listened to that yet, and you're going to be getting ECL Origins very soon. In fact, if you're listening to this on Patreon, as is one of your rewards, you'll be hearing it next week. We'll talk about that at the end of the episode. I want to say thank you to Ursula Cat, Lawrence, Valeria. Thank you to Mary Archambault and Bob Yee. Thank you to Sydney Long. Thank you to Iman Salakian and Jay Wags. Thanks a lot to Rory Forever and Tyler Bozetsky. Thank you, dear Miss Elizabeth, a.k.a. Z. Thank you to Ryui. And thank you as well to Cyril De La Rosa and Alex Koblenz, among many others, everyone who supports us. This is it, Lucas. Season finale time of season 17. And this is a big one. This is, we're, we're talking Binky's Music Madness. And we can't, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves because we will get there. But this is something of a landmark episode among the newer batch of Arthurs. You might have thought that after a certain point, Arthur didn't have the same cultural sway that it used to. But believe me, it does. And we'll get into oh, that. Yeah. So this cold open is about Arthur. He is on he is on a giant William Hunter piano. And he's talking about how Binky... Binky knows music, and he appreciates it better than anybody. In fact, we see little clips here. Binky can play in the classical style, with his clarinet, of course. He can play jazz. He can even play klezmer music, which I had to look this up. It's the traditional music of the Ashkenazi Jewish people. Oh, I see. And even gives a little Jewish greeting at this uh, gathering that he's playing at. But Arthur is ready to play a certain song on a CD, Binky warns us, the audience, that this song is so catchy, it'll never leave your head. And Arthur thinks we can handle it. And that's what we're going to get into in this episode. I, did you notice Jazz Binky looks like that photo of The Rock with the fanny pack? Oh, I didn't notice that, but that's funny. It does look like that. He's got the turtleneck and the jeans. It was it, like all he was missing was the fanny pack. And the chain, yeah. The chain, right. So the episode starts with... Our special guests of this episode, Francine and Muffy, go to a concert to see the Bang on a Can All-Stars, who are a uh, contemporary classical ensemble. So, had you heard of these guys before watching this episode? So, I was going to ask you the same question. I did not, but the second they appeared, I immediately Googled, you know, is Bang on a Can real? (laughs) Right. Uh, Did you you think maybe they made them up? 
Well, I just wanted to verify. Mm. I wanted to, you know, and, and obviously by the end of the episode, they say thank you to the Bang on the Can All-Stars, and then we meet the guy from the Bang on the Can All-Stars and the A Word from Us Kids, so there's no mystery there, but I just wanted to know as I was watching the episode, is this a real thing, or is it this a kind of like a Binky situation? Binky the band, not Binky the person. That's right. Um, and yeah, they're, they're real. I had never heard of them before. Uh, but again, I love it when, I love it when the, uh, almost more so than when it's like Mr. Rogers or Matt Damon or something, when the Arthur guest star is someone that we have to like Google. What was that jazz musician that is canonically Francine's uncle again? Josh Redman. Josh Redman, right? I'll I'll never forget. I'll I'll forget his name, but I'll never forget when we were introduced to Josh Redman or that one guy who was the famous architect. Frank Um, Gehry. Yeah, Frank Gehry. The more kind of deep cut the Arthur guest stars are, the better as far as I'm concerned. Well, yeah, and it really feels like it's representing the educational component of the show in a way that doesn't feel like forced. So I as I didn't know these people either, so I looked them up. Bang on a Can All-Stars, they're an ensemble for the organization that is called Bang on a Can. It's a contemporary classical music organization and really is all about putting that type of music out into the world. One of the things that they do is they perform marathon concerts during which performers can come and go as they please and add to the music. You can look up their stuff. I I looked up a few of their pieces on YouTube. Very, very cool music. Just great to put on in the background and vibe to. But there's also a lot of interesting different types of of classical music that they play. And we even hear a bit of it in this episode. And as Francine and Muffy say, the reaction to it can be a bit polarizing. Muffy doesn't really care for them at all. Francine really liked them. And I think, I imagine that if you are a musician, you can probably really appreciate what they're doing in terms of uh, classical compositions. So Yeah, they covered uh, Music for Airports by Brian Eno, which is kind of one of my favorite ambient albums ever. So weird to see that classical musicians are even, I didn't even know that was something that someone could conceivably do. And Muff, so yeah, so like I said, Muffy is not crazy about it. She apologizes to Francine, but Francine's all about it. When they are leaving the venue, Francine runs into two of the performers from the All-Stars, Julia Wolf and Evan Zipporin, who are specifically thanked at the credits of the episode. And she convinces them to visit the school. Um, Julia Wolf says, I'd love to explore Elwood City. It's so uniquely average. And Lucas, these two are... They're not voice actors, but they're not bad. I think that we have run the gamut here from we've got celebrities who are actors who can act. We've got celebrities who can't act very well, who can't voice act, really. We have non-actors. We have non-actors who are good and we have non-actors who are not good. And I would say these two are non-actors who are pretty good. Like they they sound a little bit stilted in that funny way of just like, thanks. Thanks, Buster. That's a great idea, but you know, they're just, all there is is a, like it's a little flat. But that's okay. Like they get across that they're like the the talent here. So the next day, Francine is playing some of their music, and they're in the band room. We're not in the band room very often, and Binky comes in, and he's never heard of these people. The bang on a who, and he is exposed to the group's music, and he totally bounces off it in one of the. <laughs> One of the most loaded Arthur meme moments of this entire podcast. Like we, yeah, this, wow. this is two for one here. So Lucas, where which one do we start with? There's two in this exact same scene. 
Yeah, I mean, let's just do it in chronological order. So to set this up, if you're new to the show, you know, there's been a couple running bits that we go back to over and over and over again. You know, throwaway character of the week, um, animal hierarchy. uh, But one that it's been, I feel like, a couple of seasons since we've returned to this segment, which is, of course, the Arthur meme alert. Mm -hmm. And right here we have a double dose of two of the most, I would say, of the Flash era, the two most recognizable Arthur memes. There's quite a few Arthur memes. You know, one of the reasons why we started this podcast is because the Arthur fist was blowing up on social media. I would put, you know, if Arthur fist is A1, I would put these as kind of the B tier of the most recognizable memes from Arthur. The first one being... Arthur playing the piano with the headphones not covering his ears. The the classic I know his ass ain't listening meme. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's great. It's great. It's one of those memes that like you look at it and it 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 it, it touches people's nostalgia button because it's like Oh, yeah, why didn't Arthur wear his headphones like that? And we've been keeping track of that throughout the show of, like, when they have the headphones on the side of their head instead of their ears. Because as soon as you see it, you can't unsee it. And it, it actually ropes into the animal hierarchy thing in that the whole point is that they don't really utilize the Arthur character's animal aspects ever. Right. Sometimes you get some ear stuff with... uh buster and his bunny ears yes but everybody else who has the small kind of bear style ears like arthur even though he's an aardvark um they don't really acknowledge it ever it's just kind of character design set dressing they don't really act as the character's actual ears as seen here with yeah arthur he can't hear us he's got he's got airpods in or whatever maybe you want to do with this picture (laughs) um but that leads us to what i think is even more flexible uh, could have more rife for meme potential, Arthur meme. And this one, I'd never actually seen it in its original context. I was always excited to get to this bit when we started on the Flash era episodes. Yes. Binky saying, when did they stop tuning their instruments and listening to Bang on a Can for the first time? Right. So to describe it, if you haven't seen any of these, this is this became a meme within the past few years, I want to say, um, where Binky puts on the headphones and then... The the background behind him becomes very abstract and visual. So there's like it's like a color psychedelic psychedelic. Yes, there's like a color scape, different types of shapes, lots of music notes as as he kind of gets carried away and you get the sense of like, oh, his life is changing in a way. So if you go on a YouTube and you type in binky music meme, you will get a lot of. Binky discovering insert artist here. I did a cursory Google search and I watched like 10 of these videos. So there's Binky discovers tool. Binky discovers Japanese shoegaze. There's a couple of him discovering Pink Floyd, the American Sonic CD soundtrack, progressive rock, American football, death grips. And then the one I thought you'd like, uh, Binky discovers Cardi's verse on earthquake. Yes. uh, Binky discovers... Uh, Loveless, the uh, My Bloody Valentine album. I, it goes on and on and on. This was something that I think 4chan slash Mew kind of grabbed onto, or just people who pay attention to like music journalism, music writing in general. Internet music fans really grabbed onto this meme for a hot second because it's just so easy to... Um, it's, it's similar to the meme with um, King of the Hill, where he goes, damn it, it's all toilet sounds. Right, yeah. And people putting different songs into that. 
Um, very similar meme format, and it, it, it kind of it's I, you almost feel like they had the memes in mind because the way the scene plays out, the way kind of Biggie is flying through this like psychedelic sky and he loses himself in the song, it really does seem primed for you to drop your own music in, whatever that may be. And the ones that I've seen all stop on when Binky, like, he tears the headphones off and he's breathing heavy and goes, what on earth was that? So it's a bit of a shattering experience, although he professes that he just, like, totally bounces off it. Like, he doesn't get it. Um, They do name drop the song that they, the actual song is called Big, Beautiful, Dark, and Scary. You can look it up on YouTube. It's like a nine-minute song, and as one of the comments described it, it's like, Five minutes of it sounds like they are approaching a climax, and it's just really tense and anxious music. It's really something, though. It's quite a soundscape. So Binky has this altering experience. He he's just like I whatever. It's, I I don't like it. And we get Ar- Arthur um, has a line where he says, "This must be the way it is in Buster's head." And later on, when Buster listens to it, he says essentially the same thing. It's a recording of the way that he thinks because it's very, like, abstract and weird. When Binky leaves, he begins to notice sounds all around town, just sounds of, Mm. you know, just like a a car backfiring or, like, uh, something catching on a fence, and it's, like, driving him crazy. And he feels like the the song that he listened to has affected the way that he understands sound, and he's wondering, like, why anybody else can't hear this. So really... In, like, not even all that much in a jokey way. Like, this rewired his brain. This, it's so, did you see Tar? No, I haven't seen Tar yet. This, another example of Arthur being prescient, there's a whole running through line thing in Tar where she can never, like, every time she sits down to write, she gets, like, distracted by a noise or she's, like, hyper fixating on noises in her environment that are basically exactly like this montage with Binky and hearing sounds in a different way. Hmm. Um, weird kind of comparison between Arthur and Tar. <laughs> it's, not the fir- it's, not the, it's not the first one we've done. Our, our, our Tar, Tarther, I don't know, there's something there. We, we definitely have a title of an episode, like, 20 episodes ago that has to do with Tar. So, um... I, I will see it, I promise. I do want to see it. Um, Binky is just way out of sorts with all this, and he's like he, he can't stop thinking about it. He can't stop hearing all of these noises just in everyday objects. And he has to put earplugs on when he goes to sleep. He has a dream that his friends are zombies, and they're trying to convince him to listen to the music. So literally, it's Arthur, Buster, Francine, and Muffy with their arms out in the classic zombie pose coming to him. And Muffy saying, it will grow on you. Because Binky's on the outs with this one. He, he totally doesn't like it, and all of his other friends have come around to it in one way or the other. So Binky decides that he is going to prove that his friends have been brainwashed. And he's going to create a fake band out of essentially what are sound effects. This reminded me of like assignments that you and I used to do in radio school where you'd have to take a Zoom recorder with a mic extension and record like ambient noise. And we even see field field recordings. He's doing like it's funny. And I think I've seen this applied to that meme of him listening to the music. It's like he's doing Godspeed, you black emperor, (laughs) uh, because they have a bunch of like field recordings included in their music. 
We even see him using like the Arthur version of Audacity, like what we're recording on right yes! now. I saw that. I, I was going to mention this that the our Audacity exists in the Arthur universe. Audacity, and it's it's he's putting all of this work into essentially what's going to be a gotcha for his friends, and he names this fake band Gesundheit. So he takes all of these weird sounds, like there's a toilet flush in there, there's a dog barking. And creates these soundscape music compositions with it. And when he's playing it for his friends, they're they're they think it's a little weird, but they all they're also like, oh, kind of getting into it a little bit. And that's when the bang on a can all stars come in. And this is this is all of them, but they only have the two that speak. Um the kids and the all-stars they they praise it and they help Binky realize all of the work that he did. He said he worked on this for like four days and he's so tired and it helps him to understand the work that goes into composing even really weird music. And it helps him to come to a different understanding and respect for what the Bang on a Can All-Stars are doing with their music. So to end the episode, the All-Stars add instrumentals to Binky's soundscape. All the kids play together with the band and they have all these fun ideas like, what if we try playing it in a minor key? And Binky appreciates the music a lot more, which is a very interesting way to impart this kind of message, I suppose. And I, I guess the message is that there's no one way to appreciate art. It's, it's, it's kind of heady. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that, you know, when we do final thoughts. But mm-hmm. um, uh, who knew that such an infamous Arthur meme it actually pretty much ties into the crux of the episode. So I, I would say, if nothing else, a fitting episode for the meme that it spawned. Absolutely. And now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. This is kids at the Brooklyn Music School who are learning from another member of the Bang on a Can All-Stars who wasn't voiced in the show. His name is Mark, Mark Stewart. And so he uses all kinds of unusual instruments and objects to show the kids that you can create music out of practically anything. So he has this like makeshift bass that has like one note on it. They have these like rubber hose extensions that they like twirl around to make music out of. This this looks really cool. Like it's it, you know I I I don't I don't think there's a, like a big lesson to impart here. It's just that like music is fun. And the kids look like they had a really great time. Mark Stewart's a very energetic teacher. He's got this, like, wild poof of gray hair. He's, like, making faces and, like, getting really into it. So he seems like he's, like, really great for teaching this sort of thing. Yeah, I don't have much to add besides um, I really like his rugs. (laughs) I like the (laughs) giant uh, Persian rugs that he's got in this room that he's teaching music. And I, I suppose that they're actually intended for acoustic reasons, for, like, sound dampening and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. aesthetically, I'm a big fan of the way this guy, what this guy's done with this room and these rugs. I missed out on the rugs. I'm going to have to go back and take a look at them. Hi, everybody. It's Lucas, your favorite co-host from Elwood City Limits. Um, I want to remind you folks that if you like listening to the podcast, first and foremost, the best way to spread the love is to tell a friend who is interested in Arthur or podcasts or animation or hearing about Nova Scotia for some reason. But there's some other things you could do as well. For instance, you can follow us on social media. Twitter is at ECL Podcast. 
The Instagram is at Elwood City Limits. My pet project, the Twitch channel, which we do live streams on sometimes, twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits Pod. And we also have a Facebook and Tumblr as well. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits. That's where Will has been diligently uploading all of the episodes if they're not on your podcast listening service of choice. If they aren't on one of those services, let us know. You can reach out to us on social media or via email at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Finally, the Patreon is where you can find all of our paywall content, patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. This gives you access to the Discord, where we have a bustling community, as well as some exclusive videos, audio bonuses, such as commentary for the various Arthur movies and more, as well as some of our additional podcasts for the kids, is where me and Will uh, cover all the PBS shows that aren't Arthur, as well as ECL Origins, where we really talk about any show from our childhood that we want. Uh, And most importantly, you get early access to every episode of ECL. You get to flex on your friends that you're getting it a week early. You can join for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And now, back to the show. And the last one of season 17, it's a brain one. It's Brain Freeze. This has to do with Brain and his parents' ice cream shop when a new ice cream shop opens up right across the street, which is called Yum Bobo. And the kids are very intrigued by a flyer, which is advertising, among other things, super cold ice cream and edible waffle holders, which Brain, in the way that we so enjoy, points out that all ice cream is cold, so there's no value to making it super cold. And he also has edible waffle holders. They're called cones. Not but, since uh, yeah. the David Mamet movie Heist, uh, <laughs> in which Danny DeVito says, everybody wants money. That's why it's called money. <laughs> Have we seen a line like, all ice cream is cold. That's why it's called ice cream. <laughs> I forgot about, like, I, I know that line. I wouldn't have guessed a million years that's where it was from because I haven't seen it. That's so funny. I'm glad you remembered that. The idea is that young Bobo becomes super popular initially and Brain goes to give it a try, but he's very put off by the way that they're presented. So we get a scene here where Brain goes to young Bobo. They have a by giant... The way, yeah. Yeah. The, the first thing I noticed about this scene is... I don't think we've heard the Yumbobo theme yet in Arthur, and it kind of sounds unlike any sort of background music I've heard in Arthur before. Like, it sounds like like N64-era platformer music or something. Hmm. Did you notice know. the the, the, the Yumbobo? Anytime they're in the Yumbobo store, there's like a unique song that plays. Usually, Arthur music sounds like it's being made with like real instruments, mm-hmm. whereas this sounds more like overtly electronic, like video game music or something. Maybe it was composed by Koji Kondo. <laughs> uh, I didn't. I didn't notice this again. I'll have to kind of because so much about the Yumbobo presentation is very visual, and that's what I was really focusing on. So, in the first thing you see is that outside they have a giant penguin mascot whose name is Puck Puck, and it always kind of like laughs every time Brain or anybody addresses it. It just kind of goes, <laughs> which. Penguins don't do that, but it's, it's, it's really strange in, in, in a way, and it passes out free samples. When he, 
Brain goes inside, he has he speaks with the Yumbobo guide whose name is Mustard Seed. And I think it's just maybe that it's ice cream, but I saw this Mustard Seed woman who seems to be like a woman in maybe her late 20s or 30s who is super perky talking about ice cream and Lucas the first thing I thought of was yum 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 ice cream so good true this is we are in the era of gang gang yum 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 ice cream so good um (laughs) again another example of Arthur kind of predicting our dystopian future in a in a way she's got like she's really really up and she also uh talks about Mr. Elderberry, who is the other uh, male person working in Yumbobo. So Brain is looking for vanilla ice cream, which they don't have vanilla, but they do have Tahitian trance, which Brain says is just vanilla. And this woman is very, 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 very perky. Another satisfied customer. And like she knows she's like, welcome customer number six or or whatever Brain is. And, yeah, Brain's just completely put off by this. So he goes home at night to chemically and scientifically prove that their Tahitian trance is just vanilla. He compares it to their vanilla, and it is the exact same. But he is worried that Yumbobo is going to put his store out of business. I'll also mention here, he's showing his findings to Buster, and he says, like, there's other flavors that Yumbobo has, including Sacolato and Tree, which is just chocolate, and Wimbledon Wonder which is just strawberry. So Brain, yeah, worried that Young Boba's going to take over. All the kids are really taken by it. They think it's really neat. Buster has a line where he says, those mountebanks are hoodwinking us with flim flammery. <laughs> I missed that. That's a really good line. It, it, it is. It's really good. But he also really likes the big penguin. Uh, so Brain, Buster encourages Brain that he has to think of some kind of marketing hook. So that's what Brain is trying to figure out. His his initial one is free chemical analysis with every purchase. So, it, it, Lucas, you can pay money for the Brain's ice cream, and then he will tell you the chemical ingredients mm, of the ice cream. Mm, mm, I'm Don't okay. you love it? I, I'm good on that. I'm good on that, homeboy. so yeah it goes over about as well as that but muffy offers her services she even has her own card her ad company crosswire creative solutions okay okay a couple of things about this yeah go for it for one i went to pr school will i don't know if you know this or not you did yes i did um you can't be handing out business cards in joker man font that's crazy Did your whole... Sorry. No, sorry. Go on. I was just going to say, if your whole thing is communications, you know, public communications, you are off on the wrong foot, brother, if your business (laughs) card is Joker Man font, probably the worst font in existence. Did you also like how her icon on the card was like Squiggle Vision? Like it looked like Dr. Katz? That I actually did kind of like. That's kind of okay. classy. All right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she'd be better off even with like Papyrus or Comic Sans. Joker Man. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm not familiar with the Joker Man font. I'm glad that you were able to point that out. But then again, yes, you you have the head for PR of the two of us. And, like- okay. Well, here's the other thing yes. I was going to say about PR. So Go for Buffy's it. idea for Brain is basically... I, I was doing the exact same thought exercise because the whole episode's kind of about how the product at Yo Bumbo, Yo, Yumbo, Yo Bumbo, Yumbobo is exactly the same as Brain points out to his family's ice cream. And it's all about marketing. 
And Muffy says that, you know, you're not just selling ice cream, you're selling an experience, mm. which is actually true. Like, yes. it, it, it is actually true, especially when we're talking about restaurants, anywhere you go to eat. You know, the the actual meal itself is one component of the experience, mm-hmm. uh, but you are selling an experience as a whole. So I was with Muffy with that, and I was doing the same thought exercise of like, okay, well, how would brains family be better off branding themselves to compete with Yumbobo's marketing. Um, and Muffy actually comes to the same conclusion I did, which I was like, well, they should focus on like, it's a family business. It's folksy, you know, Yumbobo rings corporate and hollow. So they kind of have to do the opposite. Now Muffy takes it to the extreme by saying that, you know, brains family has been in the ice cream business since 1905. She talks about, um, you know, great, Grandpappy brain tries every every morsel of ice cream to make sure mm-hmm. it beats the family recipe. And brain is not for this at all. He's like, you know, my family's only been in the ice cream business for four years. Right. When she's giving this presentation. Did you like how, like, Muffy ends it off with, like, this time it tastes like home. And to me, that was, like, <laughs> her Don Draper carousel moment. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Everybody else's <laughs> cigarettes are poison. Ours are toasted. <laughs> so, yeah, Brain really doesn't like this. It's he, <laughs> he thinks it's very phony, but he doesn't have any other ideas. And as he sees Yumbobo getting more popular, he imagines that his parents will go out of business and he imagines his mother having to scrub floors at Yumbobo. So this is, I, I will also say the the inner aesthetic of Yumbobo, it's very like a bit space agey. Everybody's wearing like these b- big pastel colors. Uh, Brain's mom is in like this yellow jumpsuit as she's scrubbing the floor in Brain's imagination. And Mustard Seed chides her because uh, when Brain's mom said, yay, I only heard two exclamation points after that yay. And she's threatened to have to clean Puck Puck's cage. This is one of the most bizarre visual gags we've seen in <laughs> Arthur, I would say, in years. I, if you can, freeze frame on Puck Puck's cage. There's a lot to unpack here, right? Like, mm. for one, Puck Puck isn't a mascot. It is indeed some sort of giant penguin, half penguin, half pig monster. Yeah, some giant tittering penguin. Yeah, yeah, that they keep locked up. And first of all, okay, like, let's look at this cage. When have you seen a padlock on a glass door? Like, even the the engineering of this cage is really bizarre. Puck Puck's giant water trough. Like, he's got a giant hamster, like, feeder full of water. The cage is labeled Puck Puck. He just dumps ice cream, like, a bucket of ice cream on his own head. This whole get, there's there's a headless teddy bear in there. Um... I loved this. I loved thinking about <laughs> Puck Puck's cage. Um, really, one of the more, yeah, out there Arthur bits in a while. This whole thing, the whole thing with Puck Puck and Yabobo, um, I thought this was, this, the, anything that's parroting these kind of, I don't even know what to call these businesses, but I, I feel like every city has these where it's like, uh, oh, this isn't a coffee shop. It's a caffeine bar. Mm. Like all the like, gentrifying branding you know this is an ice cream it's yumbobo like i feel like i've seen this a million times in real life uh so it's pretty pretty interesting to see of all things arthur parroting these types of new businesses 
Well, it's a biz. It's a business that's like made for reels of like the first the first person of like today we went to Yum Bobo and here's yeah what we exactly got. exactly exactly yeah 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 the, the, yeah it, a TikTok voice of like so today I woke up and then I went to Yum Bobo they have this cute little penguin thing named Puck Puck who's like handing you free samples um, I that's and, and, and I feel like I once Tahitian again Arthur twins. was ahead this was ahead of the invention of TikTok too so mm-hmm. again Arthur being prescient. Yeah, big time, and it's in its own way. Um, so Brain, in his last-ditch effort, is he spends all of his allowance, as he says later, and buys a polar bear mascot costume from Jack's Joke Shop, and he puts himself in the costume and tries to hand out free samples. Um, he gives a different name, I forget what the name was, to their banana flavor, and he's like, yeah, it tastes like banana to me. Uh, he call Brain calls himself Ursus Maritimus, which is the uh, name for polar bear. But he tries to hand out free samples. It doesn't go well. Binky takes a bunch of them, and a wasp gets into the costume, and Brain just ends up kind of freaking out and scaring this little girl and her mother. He also has this really pained, like, like, hello, little girl. I'm Ursus Maritimus. Yuck, 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 yuck. Like, he's just, he's not good at it. He's not good at it. So... You know, Brain feels that this is the end. Like, this is not going to... This is going to be the end of his parents' ice cream business. While he's figuring out next steps and kind of just moping, Buster helps himself behind the counter, as as Brain instructs him to. And he accidentally creates a new flavor. He He mixes two flavors together. He mixes pistachio and coffee, which Buster calls caffaccio. And apparently... It works out really well. Like, it tastes great. Which a couple I, of things about this. A couple of notes. Yeah, yeah. One, uh, personally, I do really like the sound of caffaccio. You know, I love pistachio mm-hmm. ice cream. I like coffee ice cream. You know, I like the adult flavors mm-hmm. of ice cream. I was talking mm-hmm. to someone the other day about people who go to the ice cream place, they get lavender. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. The more, the more these these ones ain't for kids. These ain't your bubble gum. <laughs> um, so, caffaccio sounds great to me. Um, I thought this was reminiscent of the first episode of Nathan for You, where to save the frozen yogurt place, he starts selling poop-flavored ice cream as a marketing stunt, and it actually, like, works. Do you remember this? I, um, I've, I've never seen Nathan for You. Okay, uh, so that's 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 the first episode of Nathan for You is very similarly, like, trying to save a failing ice cream business. And so their big idea is to make poop-flavored ice cream, which... <laughs> Uh, uh, Coffaccio probably tastes a lot better, but looks very similar in that it's green and brown, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, Brain, for as much... I'm Listen, I'm going to treat Brain like he treats the rest of us, okay? Mr. Know-it-all, Mr. Stickler for the semantics. He describes the, the taste as sardonic? How Did can he? a ice cream... Fl- yeah, he says it's got a sardonic kick. That's how, weird. How can an ice cream flavor be sardonic, Will? How can it be cynical, which is another word yeah. for sardonic? <laughs> yeah, the, the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines sardonic as disdainfully or skeptically humorous, der- de- derisively mocking. You really have to, you, like, I... Mm, I, so, I think this was the writers cheating a little bit, and they were like, Brain's going to say a big word to make him sound smart. And we're going to hope that the kids don't know what it means. But guess what, Arthur writers? Me and Will are almost middle-aged, and we know what that word means. So, ha-ha! Come on, Arthur writers. Get it together. <laughs> um, so that, See, that that is you making a sardonic remark. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Oh, man. So this gives Brain the idea to open what he calls a blending lab, where he takes the ice cream flavors, puts them on a table, and allows you to make your own flavor. And this is actually a cool idea. Brain invents the Coca-Cola remix machine. Mm -hmm. Yes, very much of of a similar type of idea. So you can make your own flavor, and then you can also put it on this, like, cork board so that other people can try it. So some of the other flavors here. Some of these are only names. Other ones, I was able to extrapolate the flavor. So, cashioca, which I'm guessing is cashew and tapioca, maple bacon, bumble cheese, fudge butter, cola cones. I don't want anything to do with bumble cheese. I don't know. I don't know if I want anything to do with fudge butter, to be honest with you. Uh, cola cones and nana mint. I could like I could only get cashioca and the and the other ones are like maple bacon. It's like okay, like maple syrup and bacon flavor, sure. Bumble cheese, maybe fudge butter, yes. Cola cones, maybe nana mint. I'm a little bit stuck on. I thought maybe that was like an, a minty Nanaimo bar or like I don't know what nana comes from. So if anybody, if you have any ideas for what these ice cream flavors stand for, let us know. And this turns out to be really popular. This turns out to be something that brings attention back to Brains Mom's ice cream shop. In fact, so much so that Mustard Seed and Elderberry, who are really bored at their job now, we even see Puck Puck outside on his phone, which I thought was a funny visual. They come in to the ice cream store with disguises on, and it's like classic disguise-ass disguises, where they've got the beard, the the trench coat, the top hat, and one of their beards accidentally falls and Brain says, I knew that you would come here. Yay! In the same way that they yay at uh, at Yum Bobo. And that's it. That's Arthur Season 17. Let's rewind it back here. Lucas Binky's Music Madness, one of the most meme-laden episodes, especially of the more recent ones that we've talked about. What did you think? I thought Binky's Music Madness was great. Uh, you know, it's a Binky episode, you know, the Binky bias. It's like, if we're doing a five-star scale, you always get a free star with a Binky episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was great use of Binky, great use of the guest star. I love it when Arthur talks about real music, uh, especially real complicated music, um, to expand kids' horizons. Um, I liked how, you know, it's nuanced, right? It's not just that Binky wasn't giving it a chance. You actually see a little bit of Buffy only starts liking the music once she realizes that it's pretentious, which mm-hmm. is interesting, right? Mm. It's it's kind of if 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 the big the episode could have gone one way or another, kind of Biggie could have had an Emperor's New Clothes kind of situation. That's what he was planning on doing when he he makes his composition to prove that everybody was just liking it to be pretentious. But then it turns out that because he put so much work into it, people kind of get something out of Biggie's fake joke song as well. Um, so yeah, really nuanced message, and it hits at home in a great way. Where yeah, music is about what you bring to it, and music can be incredibly experimental, and it's a really good thing to broaden your horizons and try different stuff. And I think it earns its meme moment. Uh, so I and I, it's just that would all be fine and dandy. But if it wasn't an entertaining episode, it also wouldn't work. And it was an entertaining episode, so I enjoyed it. I agree with you. I think this was great. Uh, one of the best of the season uh, by virtue of it just being a solid episode as well as being very important, like b- between the the two memes that it houses. But I loved the way that this tackled, as you said, a very nuanced message and one that's a bit more abstract than a lot of kids shows would think to tackle. It's talking about how art is a different experience for everybody. And while saying that it's okay, you know, to 
have your own opinion about art, also acknowledging the fact that even art that you don't like takes a lot of work. And I really found that interesting, the way that this unfolded. And I, I, I think you're right. This this seemed to be going one way, and then by the end, it was celebrating the fact that Binky put in a lot of... Binky put in a lot of work to be a hater, essentially. And he realized in doing that work that, like, wow, this actually isn't as easy or as um, simplistic as I thought it was. And I think that that is a great lesson to learn at any age, that even though you don't like something, chances are it took a lot of work to do. And in a way... In one way or another, that can be worth celebrating. And I think that this is really cool to do it with music. Also very cool to expose young people to interesting music, as Arthur has done in the past. It's done that with jazz. It's done that with classical music before. And now it's doing it again. And this is just to make kids, hopefully, more worldly people as it comes to music and art and entertainment. So, yeah, great stuff. I really liked this. Um, Brain Freeze I didn't like as much, but I... I'm, okay with it like I, th- I think it's pretty good um i i got some laughs out of it from just the silliness of the situation um i think that we're down on brain a lot but at least this episode has him kind of brings him low a little bit and uh, and i think that's where you can usually get us a little bit more on your side is like okay don't have brain be the know-it-all or the antagonist like we already kind of are pitted against him a little bit in our own opinion let's have him take the l and then see where he goes with that. And then to talk about the weirdly prescient, the weirdly prescient um, depiction of what life will be like a couple of years after this episode in terms of like social media and marketing and all that stuff was interesting to see here. And then I actually did like the way it wrapped up with the blending lab. I just think that's a really cool idea. And I wonder there's got there's got to be ice cream places that are doing that idea as well. And if not. I think that there could be sitting on a gold mine. Um, so yeah, not like not as substantial, I think, as Binky's Music Madness, but still pretty good time. Um, I uh, feel the exact same way. If not, I think I'm a little bit more positive on hmm. Brain Freeze than you. Uh, I, uh, I, I, these two episodes were a really great way to close out the season, leave on a positive note. I feel like last week's episodes were some of the weakest of the season. These two, some of the best. Um, I thought Brain Freeze was really good use of brain. You know, he gets annoying when he's on his know-it-all stuff, but it's nice to see him kind of lash out in sort of like, you know, uh, this this is so pretentious, but in a Kafka (laughs) S way where it's like the man against bureaucracy, man against the world. Uh, you know, seeing Brain sees that this is all just corporate marketing and it's all unjust and see him kind of lash out. Uh, it's fun to watch him falter in that way. It's a good use of him because he's not being unreasonable for once. At once, he's the only one who knows the truth. Uh, and we as the audience agree with him. And the parody of these type of businesses, like I feel like Yumbobo is a place in Halifax. And I know Halifax isn't special. There's these types of places everywhere. The, but yeah. There's one place down on the waterfront that I was like, this kind of reminds me of this a little bit, especially, especially like if you think of the brains, mom's ice cream shop as like cows, like classic good old fashioned cows or, or, or DDs even more. So Mm -hmm. even more Mm kind of homemade. And then there's these crazy places where they make ice cream that only exists for you to take Instagram pictures of it. (laughs) Um, it doesn't even taste good to eat. It just like looks like weird. It costs like 13 bucks for a cone. Right. Um, yum Bobo, I was just so tickled by the whole Yum Bobo concept. I thought it was hilarious. Puck Puck, chew in for throwaway character of the week. (laughs) 
I'm not going to forget about Puck Puck or Puck Puck's Cage anytime soon. Um, yeah, the episode really worked for me. I thought it was a blast. Cool. I'm really glad that it did. And we're ending this season off on a really positive note, which means that we're going to be having... Uh, the end of season regular stuff that we usually do from here. So first of all, thank you very much for listening to Elwood City Limits, and thanks for sticking with us through season 17 and every season before that. So, of course, if you are listening to this on the Patreon, coming up next week is going to be part one of two of a special presentation of ECL Origins. We're going to be talking about two shows from the 90s made by Mainframe. We're going to be starting off with their premiere. Another pre- Well, it might be their premiere. I, I'm going to have to do quite a bit of research on this one, so I'm going to have the definitive answer for you. We're going to be talking about Reboot, and then coming up next month, we're going to be doing part two on Beast Wars. But we're starting with Reboot and the history of Mainframe, and we're going to be talking about a show that means a lot to me. I think it means quite a bit to Lucas as well, and we'll be talking about our experiences with it and everything. That's going to be exclusively on the Patreon. If you are listening to this, then you'll be hearing it next week. If you're listening to this on the free feed, coming up next week for you is going to be a preview of the new ECL Origins, which is going to be packaged with the Season 17 Recap. So Lucas and I are going to be giving our top five episodes of the season, as well as our thoughts in general. So that will be coming out early on Patreon, but it will also be coming out with a preview of ECL Origins on the free feed. And then it's going to be Season 18. Season 18, as we come into August... And we are going to be talking about the premiere episode, which is The Friend Who Wasn't There and Surprise, another episode with an exclamation point in the title. So there's lots of fun stuff coming up here. We've got ECL Origins. We've got a season recap. We've got a whole new season, which means there's going to be some little bit of changes going on in Arthur. But we're going to be continuing on with the way that we do things around here. Lucas... It's been a really, well, I'm not going to give away my thoughts on the season 17, but it's been very, very good to continue plugging along here, and uh, especially as we're about halfway through the summer. Yeah, I'm looking forward to giving our thoughts on the season, and I'm looking forward to keep talking about Arthur with you as always, Will. Right on. I couldn't agree more. So, for Elwood City Limits, thanks a lot for listening. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... Not only are you blue, you're also anatomically incorrect. We'll see you next time.